The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. I want to welcome you today to a deeply meaningful weekend for many of us in the room that would say that we're followers of Christ. The fact is, as we look back two days ago on Good Friday, and, and some people go, why call it good when you're talking about somebody who was tortured to death? And the reason that we call it Good Friday is because we believe that was the day as Jesus was tortured and crucified that paid the price for all of our sin. And so it's a good thing that that happened because the problem of sin is an issue for all of us that we can't work our way out of. And then you think about Dark Saturday, the confusion for the disciples of a day where Jesus is in the tomb and, and, and they think the movement is done. They think the, the, the work of God is somehow finished and it didn't come to play the way they thought it would come to play or come to pass. And then you get to Resurrection Sunday on a day where in a moment when we read John 20, the story of an empty tomb and the significance of that for you and I. But before we get to that, I want to talk about this word wonder, this idea of wonderful, being full of wonder. And we're going to talk about the universe and it's way beyond things I understand. But to be honest, for anybody on the planet, whether you're an astrophysicist or whatever, all of these conversations are far beyond our ability for any of us to really deeply understand all of the details. There's something about how you and I are wired, though, that we want to be wowed. We want to be wowed by things, and, and every year that goes by, unfortunately, we're less and less wowed. We experience things that first caused wonder, and later on in life, it just becomes the mundane, the boring. I think about the first time I ever flew, and, and going to the airport and seeing you know, where you drive up and walking in, and there's people from all different tribes and cultures and things all over the world walking back and forth in different garb, and you go up to a ticket counter and you get a ticket, and as a kid, you're marveling that you, you have bad but you put your bags on a thing that they go behind a little plastic you know, mat and then they disappear, but they're gonna end up where you're going, don't worry. And you go to the gate and you look out the giant windows at all of the airplanes and all of the machinery driving around, dropping off luggage and food trucks driving around and you know, fuel trucks driving all over and it really is a wonder and a marvel to behold, like look at this. And as a kid, you're amazed. You walk through the jetway onto an airplane where there's rows of seats and as a kid, hi there, hi hi, hi, first time flying, hi, oh, that's the pilot, wow, the pilot, and it's amazing. And you sit down, and the plane takes off, and you look out the window, and as a kid, it's incredible to watch things get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and you marvel at all that's going on. And then you become an adult. And what it becomes about is, how long does it take to get from point A to point B? And hurry up and bring me my drink, and, and I don't want to sit on the tarmac too very long because I got things to do, places to go, and people to see, and I don't want to sit on a plane forever. But it isn't is amazing on so many levels how we find wonder in all kinds of things when we're younger, only to realize you get into your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, and the wonder of life is gone. And that's why I want to talk a little bit about things that, again, we're barely going to scratch the surface of. Francis Chan, a pastor, a few years ago had this discussion that I want to kind of walk through for you today. But when you think about the universe, let's start from the earth and, and go up 10 kilometers. And if you go up 10 kilometers, you can see the curvature of the earth, earth which in itself is pretty, a pretty amazing sight. But as you pull away to 100 kilometers from the Earth, you reach the height of the space station. You would be considered an astronaut, and that's a, a marvel again in itself. If you pull away 100,000 kilometers from the Earth, you're only a quarter of the way to the moon. 
The moon is still out there a ways. And so at 100,000 kilometers, you're a quarter of the way. At 100 trillion kilometers, excuse me, let me go back. At 1 million kilometers, you pass the moon, but you're not even to the sun yet. And then you get to 100, uh, 100 trillion kilometers, and that, that's one with 10 zeros behind it. And that's where you're at the point where you can see all of the planets in our solar system, all of them. Anybody remember what the planets are? From the sun, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and then, of course, that one that kind of got debunked a little bit. Like, oh, that's not right. I feel bad for Pluto, right? Come on, you were a planet, and now you're nothing. It's just it's ice. It's a ball of frozen stuff, you know. What a bummer. But anyway, you can see all the planets in our solar system. If you go back 10 light years away from the earth, you can see the sun with other stars around it. And again, it's a marvel to behold. But as you pull back a thousand light years away, you see clusters of stars where where the sun is. And it's a small grouping inside what we call the ginormous Milky Way galaxy. But keep in mind, that's not the end of it because the Milky Way galaxy is one galaxy among literally millions and maybe even billions of galaxies. If you pull further out, you see thousands of clusters of stars. If you can go 10 million light years away from the earth, you see billions of galaxies and we don't even have telescopes currently that can see beyond what we would deem as 10 million light years away. Talk about wonder. Talk about looking into all these things and going, wow, this is absolutely incredible. Now let's head to the earth here. And I don't know about you, I'm kind of a nerd. I love some of the BBC documentaries on planet earth and Nat Geo does some things, but it's a marvel to watch those shows and see all the different climates and different animals living in their ecosystems and habitats and what goes on at the bottom of the oceans, which are still working on figuring out. But it's a marvel to think about the planet that we live on and that the earth is literally a giant ball moving at a speed of 1,000 miles an hour And we're just sitting here chilling out, just on the earth, doing our thing. Even more astounding is that the sun is a million times larger than the earth, and yet our planet is going around it at 67,000 miles an hour. Think about the earth, and then you think about that it's the perfect distance from the sun to reach an average temperature all the way around it to support life. That the way our planet sits from the sun, it's again amazing to support life. That there's a 24-hour full rotation that gives us the time that we have, that we call minutes and hours and seconds and all that stuff. The fact that our earth rotates, but it doesn't just rotate, but it tilts on its axis, which isn't new news to most of us, but the idea that it tilts is why during winter in December, it seems like you go to work in the dark and, and you, you get off work and it's still dark out because the sun sets at like noon or something like that, you know, um, you know 4.30, but, but still like it sets at 4.30 and then you get to June 21st and all of a sudden the sun is setting at what, 9.40, 9.45 at night because it tilts on its axis and that That's why we have seasons. It's a marvel to think about, to begin to process. And again, we're barely scratching the surface of the conversation. Think about the moon that you and I on a clear night can look up at the moon and sometimes it's a sliver and a quarter and a half and sometimes there's a full moon and we always wonder, is it a full moon or not? But it's amazing. And yet, what is the moon about? It's just out there. 
But you realize that the moon being out there that has a gravitational pull that literally as it rotates around the earth pulls the oceans back and forth, which is where we get tides, but that's also where you get the currents within the ocean because it pulls back and forth and not only in the ocean, but it creates atmosphere around our globe so that we can have clouds and rain and all kinds of things. It's a marvel to think about. On our planet, there are 391,000 types of plants. 369,000 of those flower, and my wife wants every one of them planted in my yard because she loves (laughs) flowers. There are approximately 8.7 million types of animals on our planet. And, And by the way, I'm happy if 42 of those would go away, and they're in this species called moles, okay? That's just, that's me and some of you, but come on. It is estimated that there are 70 quadrillion mosquitoes on our planet. Do you realize that that is one, that is for every person, 10 million mosquitoes? Did you know? And some of you guys, I'm itching right now. Just, you know, okay, shh. Don't you love that sound when you're around a campfire? The worst though is when you're laying in bed and all of a sudden you're like, no, I got to get up and deal with this. Because otherwise all night long, like world. The delicate balance of ecosystems, if you remember in like seventh grade science class and you open your book and one of the pictures in there, and I still remember this, was there was the sky and the trees and the birds and the trees and you move down towards the ground floor and you have the plants and different animals and a stream and the, the, the lake in front of it and, kind of, and what it showed was all of the, the idea of the ecosystems. And how they all work together and there's predator and prey relationships and nutrients and moisture and all of this stuff. And the fact is when you see things like that, it really is a wonder to behold. Think of the human body. It really is a miracle that you and I can do what we do every day and yet most of us take it for granted. The fact that we're mobile and, and these fingers and even as something as simple as opposable thumbs that maybe you've never really thought about, but it's absolutely incredible. Think of the five senses that we have. And some of you are like, wait, what are those again? Okay, let's review for science class. The five senses, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, and seeing. And the fact that we have five senses that as we navigate this earth, every one of those plays a role in how we can function every single day whether you realize it or not. Our hearts beat on average three billion times in a lifetime. In an average lifespan, three billion times. Did you know that our noses and our ears never stop growing? Look around you and you're like, that guy's gonna have a problem. But anyway, so, but that's mean, you guys. Stop it, come on. The brain contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections. That's more than the number of stars just in the Milky Way galaxy in our brains. And some of us operate on half that. We're doing okay. And then think about like the the brains, the average four-year-old child. This is why the average four-year-old child asks 450 questions a day. Like that's it. That's why you're going crazy because of that. Taking one step uses 200 muscles. Just seeing alone really is incredible. The amazing nature of the eye. Scientists say that, that we can distinguish between approximately 10 million different colors, which explains why when you go to Home Depot, there's so many, you're like, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> Here's one for you. The fragrance of apples and bananas can help a person lose weight. Can I get an amen on that? Like, 
Buy some, smell them, you're good to go. Don't worry about the gym. No, anyway. A kiss increases a person's pulse to 100 beats per minute or more. And then, and I love this one, people with blue eyes are more sensitive to pain than other people. So if you have blue eyes in here, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Everybody got blue eyes, raise your hand. Now, everyone point at them and yell pansy. So no, (laughs) don't, don't do that. Don't do that, okay? And, and, And don't beat me up in the lobby, okay? But I, that's just interesting. People with blue eyes are more sensitive to pain. Now, I want to I take it a, a little different than just the anatomy of us, but think about like the power of laughter for a moment. Think about the power of laughter. Okay, here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and get out of your comfort zone, and, and on the count of three, I want all of us just to let out a good loud laugh. Can we do that? Please, just bear with me. Just do this. One, two, three. <laughs> Listen, doesn't it feel amazing just to laugh? And yet there were still people in the room going, (laughs) dipped in pickle juice before you walked in here today. Not doing that. But laughter, that God created laughter, and there's something about the levity and the need for laughter that's a good thing. And then you move towards, I think, an even deeper conversation about love. And it's not just Huey Lewis in the news, but the power of love really is amazing. Think of all the songs that have been written about love. Think about some of the lyrics that you've heard in your lifetime that you go, that's insane. Nobody would ever do that for love. And yet people have done crazy stuff for love. Think about how, how, for me personally, when I literally met my wife like 27 years ago, right here, and, and all of a sudden she comes up to me and introduces herself, and all of a sudden my heart's like, "Woo! I love this. The power of love, and we lived happily ever after with four kids now. It's incredible, but that romantic love. But now think about, for us in the room with kids, that love. I will never forget, and for every one of my four kids, it's been incredible, but for the first time when when our daughter Emerson, she's 16 now and driving, and Jesus help us all, but anyway... (laughs) But, but when, listen, when she was, I remember, you know, my wife's pregnant, we're excited, a baby's coming, you're doing the countdown thing, and the day that she was born, and I, you, I, I, you think I'm making this up, but the day my daughter Emerson was born, and, and the, the doctor grabs her, says it's a girl, because we didn't know, and we did the surprise thing, and that was fun, and the doctor brought her across the room, and I swear she looked at me, and man, that is why I believe in love at first sight. And there's something amazing, listen, for every one of my four kids and for you, every one of your kids that you know this, you would step in front of a bus without question to save one of their lives, without even thinking about it, because the power of love really is incredible. And I believe when you think about the universe and when you go outside on a clear, a rare clear night around here, but a clear night around here, and you look up into the heavens and go, wow, it is full of wonder. And you look at a sunset in the Pacific Northwest over the Olympic Mountains and Puget Sound and the Cascades and where we live, and it's breathtaking and amazing and full of wonder. And you think about, as you and I experience the fact that we're, we're mobile and we move and all this stuff, it really is wonderful. That's where you get David writing the words of Psalm 119 that the video a little bit ago stated some of it. The heavens declare the glory of God. The, the skies proclaim the work of his hands day to day. They pour forth speech night after night. They reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. This, uh, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. 
You think about all that we experience in it, and it points to the wonder of God for you and I to go, amazing, Lord. Way to go. That is really, truly incredible. Romans chapter 1, Paul, who was a persecutor and murderer of Christians, becomes a believer in Christ. And in Romans, he's writing a letter we call Romans. It was a letter that he wrote to the churches in Rome. And in chapter 1 and verse 20, he says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen and understood so that men are without excuse. What he's saying when he, when he pens these words is this, when you look at all that we enjoy, all that we can appreciate, all of the wonder around us that it's easy, listen, easy to take for granted, that it points to something. And so he says, so that men are without excuse. Well, that's a per- peculiar way to say something. Excuse for what? What is he, why, what, what excuse? And I believe it's this, being blind that he did not stop at the wonders of the natural world. See, he took it a step further, and all of these things point us to and bring us to a place where it becomes a personal thing. See, we talked about love a moment ago, and the love of a parent to a child is amazing, and it feels good to be loved. But when you think about the love of God for you and I, he's drawing us to a place to realize that there's a problem on our planet that the Bible would call sin. That for you and I, it's missing the mark. It's not doing those things God would want us to do. And sin is a problem for all of mankind from the very beginning. And that sin, the Bible says, separates us from, again, what you heard on the video, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God. Sin separates us from a holy God. And so for you and I, the issue of sin and separation from God is a big deal. The problem is it's not about you and I earning our way back. It's not about you and I doing enough good things to somehow earn ourselves out of sin. Sin is a plague. Sin is a problem. Sin doesn't just go away. And when you think about sin and how broken and what kind of brokenness it creates in us, God didn't leave it that way. See, as you look at the story of the scriptures and navigate your way through them, what you find is this promise given from the Old Testament that somebody needed to come as a redeemer. Somebody needed to come as a savior or Messiah. And that's where when you get to the gospels, there's this guy, Jesus, that the Bible talks about. He began to perform miracles and he began to teach the crowds and they were amazed and said he has authority. There's something about who he is. Who is this person? And then little by little for the disciples that followed him, the light began to come on. And Peter, when Jesus says, who am I? Peter says, some say this, some say that. Who do you say I am? And he says, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, exactly right. And it's a, it's a moment in history that's worth remembering. But the beauty of the moment is not that it's meant to stay 2,000 years ago. The beauty of the moment of understanding this Messiah is because this is the canvas that God is painting within the human heart. And for you and I to exist and look at the heavens and go, wow. And for you and I to look at the planet and go, wow, look at all of this. And for you and I to look at how we can even function and go, wow, look at all of this. But God says, don't, don't, don't let it stop there. Look what I did for you because of sin. Look at how much I love you that Jesus went to the cross, as I said earlier, and paid the price the perfect sacrifice. 
The one who paid a debt that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. The idea that, that, that sin is such an issue and yet God wanted relationship with us so badly that he sent Christ to the cross to pay that price. Died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, and then on the third day as we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, rose from the dead. Paul says that had to happen because if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then we all should be pitied beyond all people because our faith, he literally says, is useless if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And yet many of us in here are witnesses that our faith is not useless, that our faith is where we find hope, that our faith is where we find purpose, that our faith in Jesus is where we find our ability to live every day and not live in fear of all the things that can harm us and not live in fear even of death as we sang a little bit earlier. And Paul says in another letter, he wrote to the churches in 1 Corinthians 5, he defeated the final enemy which is death. That you and I can live a purposeful peace-filled, encouraged, hopeful existence. And I love that. See, that's where we get to this picture in John chapter 20 of the work of Jesus after he was crucified, after he died and was buried. It says this in chapter 20 of John, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Who wrote this? John wrote this. Who is the one that Jesus loved? According to John. If you think it's not funny in the Bible, like, come on, like, dude, you're just outing yourself for whatever reason. But, and he keeps going, by the way, but okay. He says, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken our Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb, talking about himself. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John, bro, tone it down a little bit. Okay, now listen. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw, listen, he saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then you get to the next part of the story. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'm going to go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher with a capital T. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I'm not returning, I've not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers, listen, and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them all that she had seen, said these things 
to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, and I want you to listen, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. And this was not establishing apostolic authority about forgiveness. This was helping understand that there is a mission to help people realize God's great love for you in Jesus Christ. And that's where the cross matters so much to many of us in the room that would say, I am a follower of Christ. I am a follower of Jesus. But if you're here today and I were to ask you, where do you find forgiveness? Or how do you know if there's an eternity and a heaven you're going to get there? And you would say, I'm a pretty good person, which a lot of people say. It's not about being a good person. It's about realizing that, that this Jesus that died on a cross did it for you. And he was buried and rose from the dead, defeating the final enemy, which is death, that you and I have nothing to fear in Christ. And if you're here today and you wonder, you say all this, you bring up the wonder of the universe, you bring up this earth and how it's, and the wonder of all of it, the wonder of how we're made, you bring up all the wonder of, of, of what God did for our souls. How does that matter to me? What is it that God wants from me when you tell me this? What is it that God wants from you? You. What he's extending is forgiveness and grace because he wants a relationship with every single one of us. That he paid the price so that we could be forgiven. That we're not earning our way into his grace because that's not how it works. If anyone wants forgiveness, it's in Christ. If anyone wants to hold on to hope, we find it in Christ. And maybe you're here today and this conversation, maybe you're familiar with, but maybe you're not sure where you're at. You go, I don't know what's up with me. I don't know. But if you hear what I'm saying today and you want a fresh start, you want a new beginning, you want forgiveness for all the sins you've ever committed and will ever commit, then this story right here is a reminder for all of us. It's in Christ. What he wants is you. He loves you that much. But he's saying, surrender to me. Believe on the work of Jesus for you. And so if you're here today in a moment, by a raise of hands, I'm just gonna ask you, if you wanna invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you want a fresh start, if you want a clean slate, if you want a new beginning and you wanna know you're forgiven and have a relationship with your heavenly father that loves you like crazy, then you can invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If that's you in here today, and you say, I want a relationship with God through Christ. I want to know I'm forgiven. I want a fresh start. If that's you on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Where are you at? I said, one, two, three. Who else? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Anybody? Balcony, 10. Anybody over here? 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Anybody else besides those 15? You can put your hands down. Anybody else want to raise your hand and say, man, I want forgiveness in Christ? Anyone else besides those 15? Okay. Here's what I want to do. First of all, I think it's awesome to celebrate that 15 people said, you know what? I want to invite Jesus in. 
That's something to celebrate. I just want to... I just want to ask you, if you are one of those that raise your hand, to take a step with me, and I'm going to pray, and I just want you to repeat a prayer after me, not because the words are magical or whatever, but it's about making that invitation intentional for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. So if you've prayed this prayer in the, in the past, pray with us. If you're one of the 15, I just want you to pray this prayer, okay? So let's just close our eyes. Just say, Jesus, thank you for all that you've done, that I can be forgiven, that the wonder of the universe the wonder of the planet, the wonder of how I'm made points me to a wonderful God. Thank you, you didn't stop there. But there's wonder in the forgiveness I can find in Jesus. Thank you for that. Come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. Be my savior from sin and be my Lord that I can follow you each day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are one of the 15 men, I celebrate with you. I've said before, and for me it was a long time ago, I guess now 27 years that I gave my life to Christ, but it is the best decision you could ever make. It doesn't mean everything's always easy, as many of us in the room can attest, and yet to hold on and, and walk through what our faith means as we learn and grow. I encourage you to continue to come around and take steps. Ryan's going to mention some things in a little bit. I want to end with this. G.K. Chesterton says this, we've sinned and become old and our father is younger than we. And I love that quote because for me, what it means is in all the wonder of God, we just go through life mundane. We go through life bored. People that talk, I got bored of religion, bored of my faith, the whole God thing, whatever. And, and it's that thing where in our own lives for us as Christ followers that, that we need to, I think, spend a moment and just go, God, forgive me for not having a heart full of wonder at all that you've done for me and all you continue to do. So I want to pray for us together as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. God, for all of us, that this message, while I'm grateful for 15 people, honestly grateful for them to say, I want to surrender my life to Christ, I pray for all of us to remember the wonder as we look into the heavens, the wonder of the experience of a sunset or, or a hike in the Pacific Northwest, the wonder of looking into our child's eyes and our hearts burst and melt all at the same time for our love for our own kids. But God, the wonder that, that in all of that points to what you've done for our own souls and the gratitude we should have for what happened on Good Friday and dark Saturday and resurrection Sunday. I pray all of this would, would ring in our ears, God, as we exist on this planet every day. I pray we would be filled with wonder for how incredible you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.